Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, fantastic. We're going to continue with our Healthy Church series. You can go online to our um, Uversion app. You can go and look at that. All the uh, announcements are available to you there. Uh, you go at the Uversion app and download that. We're going to continue with our Healthy Church series. We've been in it for eight weeks. Some of you have actually came to the church starting at this series, and I'm so excited that you get to be here to hear what our heart is about building a church. Uh, and we get the privilege and the honor of talking about our God today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to get right into the Scripture and we're going to study a scripture today, nine verses. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through these verses and just basically articulate what Paul is trying to say to the church. I'm going to talk today about, uh, about the, uh, uh, the forces of evil that are in our world today. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our struggle as humans. And then we're going to kind of go into what the ultimate role of the Holy Spirit is in our life. Amen. So let's get into the word today. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You can turn there on your phone, on your Uversion app, the notes are there, or in your paper Bible, which I do have open here, or on the screen behind me. We're going to read this together. We're going to read all nine verses, and then we're going to walk through it together. So let's read this. It's on the screen behind me, Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 9. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world. And we're recording, right? Awesome. Come on, let's give Ryan a hand clap. Doing a good job. Thank you. Let's start over. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We'll get right into it here. It starts here. Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus and one of the most powerful books of the Bible teaching about the church. And Paul is teaching uh, the, the people of Ephesus for many different reasons. And I won't go into all the nuances of why but, uh, today, but the reality is, is that he was teaching these people, trying to help them understand what our life looked like prior to Christ. He wants us to understand that before Christ... You were dead. And it's important today that the Holy Spirit reveal the concepts that I'm sharing with you today because you might hear some Christian thoughts and think, oh, I know that. But the ramifications of what really happened when you were in your old way of life. Some of you have been followers of Jesus for so long. You can say, well, when was I dead? I've been a Christian since I was one. I was born into the pew, basically. I don't sit in that pew anymore because it's disgusting. But like some of you became Christians later on. You'll get that tomorrow. Oh, I know what he's saying. Some of you became Christians later on and 
you could see the difference between death and, and life. You could see the difference between here and there. But we have to understand Paul is making an important point to a group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ. They know they've been brought back from the dead, but Paul wants them to understand very strongly, you once were dead in your old life of sin. And that word dead there in the scripture means one that has breathed his last, lifeless, deceased or depraved or depart or just, I'm sorry, departed, destitute of life, without life, spiritually dead, inactive or inoperative. Can you do me a favor? Can you just turn me up in the monitor here? Thank you. Here we see that the, the idea of death was that we were spiritually dead. We were inactive. We had no life. We were absolutely 100% dead without Christ. And prior to a relationship with Christ, prior to experiencing him, we had absolutely no spiritual activity in our life. We were lifeless. We were hopeless. We were confused. We, were, we were, had the feelings of death, the emotions of death. We were spiritually and 100% dead without the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. We were dead. And look what Paul says here in chapter or verse 2. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He identifies how you lived. He says you lived uh, like a course. There was a course of life. There was a pattern. Romans 12, 2 speaks to the, the pattern of, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern. There's a course. There's a way. There's a certain way of thinking. There's a certain way of living. There's a certain way of judging the right and wrong. There's a certain way of doing your finances. There's a certain way of living your marriage. There's a certain things that are acceptable to, the, to those who are not followers of Christ that are not acceptable to us. There's things I cannot do in my marriage that I could do then. There's things that I could not do in my life that I, I could do then. There was a course. There was a way. There was a pattern. There was a path that I walked down in my life prior to my relationship with Christ. There was a life that I lived in that time. There was a pattern. There's an age in which we live where we live in a present world of darkness. And it's important today you realize what I'm saying is that there is a contrasted light and dark. There is a darkness, there is a light. There is a, there is a force of evil and there is a force of, of, of goodness, a force of good. And that light, that, that darkness that we once lived in, that darkness that we once experienced, Christ took us out of that. And here's a few scriptures to reiterate the point. Galatians 1, 3, and 4 Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this, what, present evil age. Another scripture in Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Now, do you see what I'm saying here? That you were once under the rule and the dominion and the control of the devil, of the darkness there was a dominion and an evil present age that you once lived in. And Christ, by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit, brought you out of that life. You see very clearly in 1 John 5.10, we know that we are of God and the whole world. How much of the world? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
You understand what I'm saying today, that outside of these doors in the environment of the world that we live in, from heaven to earth, there is a dominion of darkness where we once were controlled by the ways of the patterns of this world, of the darkness that we once lived in, and Christ came by his Holy Spirit and he brought us out. There's a reason why many of the world today, this wouldn't make much sense without the spiritual reality, the spiritual understanding uh, that Christ has to give us today. The Holy Spirit has to reveal to us because many of us can begin to rationalize some thinking that without a Savior, all people are dead in sin and incapable of any spiritual good. That's difficult for people to process. It's hard for us to process that without a savior, all people are captured and are blinded by evil, supernatural person named Satan and his dark influence that without Christ, we are actually influenced by that dark force. It's hard for people to comprehend that. It's challenging for people to comprehend that without a savior, all people are under the wrath of God, listen, and sentenced to an eternal tormented hell. It's hard for people to process that. It's hard for us to even hear that as followers of Jesus and think, what? But this is the truth of the gospel that Paul is teaching us today, that we once lived, that mean that, that dominion and that reality is actually still in existence today. It's actually still happening at your job and at your schools. I just heard on the news that the, uh, the federal uh, education board is fighting with the Catholic, government, the Catholic school board to allow them to teach creationism and saying that they're not allowed to teach it any longer. You think about these small things like, what? Like, what's going on? And you go, oh, it's just people don't believe. No, 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 that's a spiritual activity of darkness, a dominion and a course and a path of life that is trying to get people to think differently and act differently and live differently. We live under the dominion of the darkness of the evil one. And the reason why these things are hard to be believed is because it's not flattering to our human nature to know that reality is we live in a sinful world. I don't sin, I don't go out and steal something and it makes me a thief. No, I'm already by nature a thief because of my sinful nature because of the dominion of darkness because Adam and Eve fell back in those days they chose the, the from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and from that moment forward we were now born into a sinful nature of sin so that you and I when we wake up in the day our nature is first and foremost sinful but Christ took us out of that and his spirit the Holy Spirit now lives in us and we have the ability to have a new life today amongst this present day of evil. You'll notice in the scripture that Paul very clearly identifies this spirit. He says there is a spirit who is now at work in those. He's, he's working right now. Now the New King James Version translation actually says that it's the prince of the power of the air. Prince of the power of what? What is he the prince of the power of? Air. Think about that for one moment. Air. Air is everywhere. From heaven all the way down to the natural earth, air fills the natural world that we live in. I want to paint a picture for you today. You might be a little uncomfortable today with what we're talking about, and that's because it's real. You have to realize this, that he is the prince of the power of the air. Which means that from earth to heaven, the devil has been given dominion. 
over everything on this planet. He has been given the rule to, to reign in this planet. And we live in a world right now where this evil is permeating our society. And Christ came and he took us out of that place. He rescued us from that place of darkness. He came and he helped us and he guided us and he led us out of this dominion of darkness that everyone in the planet lives under. If you know someone today that is not a follower of Jesus Christ, they may not be serving the devil, but they are in a dominion of oppression of the devil who lives uh, in this world today, who controls all things in this world. He has control, he has the power and the ability. But guess what? We serve a God who has more power and more ability and he's destroyed the works of the devil. And when Christ returns for his people, he will want and for all destroy the works and the power of the devil. And guess what? You actually have a taste of that reality and his name is the Holy Spirit. Say today, man, Ryan, like, like you're telling me that like, it's just that stark reality that my brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus, they are under the control, the dominion of the power of the prince of the air. Yes. You're telling me that this person down the street who uh, is, is uh, he's not a Christian, maybe he's a, he's a Muslim and he does good things and he gives his money away and we talk about God all the time. Are you saying that that person is under the dominion of the prince of the power of the air? My answer is yes. And what Jesus does is he comes by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us and he delivers us out of that place of darkness. And look what Paul says in the scripture. He says, you are by nature deserving of wrath. I have to say these things today for you to fully realize the reality of what's happening outside of the realm of being a follower of Jesus Christ. They are dead and they are desolate and they are being controlled by the dominion of this dark world. You say, it doesn't make sense to me. How is that a reality? It doesn't sit right with me I'm sorry to tell you but that is the gospel that is the bible and that is what Paul is teaching us right here that every single person is deserved of the wrath of God because of our decision to choose ourselves and our sin over a relationship with Jesus Christ you say that's a terrible God why would God do that God did not do that we make the decision to not serve him he comes to us with open arms and gives his entire life for us he gave he sent his son to the earth to die and the understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ is available to all mankind, but the reality is we have chosen not to follow the ways of God, and therefore we are deserved of wrath, but thank the Lord Jesus comes in his grace and his compassion and in his power, and the Holy Spirit comes into your brother and into your sister's life who doesn't know him, and guess what? If you start praying and believing that the Holy Spirit's going to come and get a hold of their heart, he will. He will come, and he will minister, and he will set free, and he will do the exact same thing he did for you. He took those people out of the place of death and out of the place of torture and out of the place of detriment and out of the place where they had no life, nothing to live for and you become a follower of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit fills your life and now you have something to live for and he gives you new life and guess what? He gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you self-control. He gives you long-suffering. He gives you perseverance. Look at this type of life that the Holy Spirit gives to us. It's important Paul wants you to understand. First, he says, listen, you got to understand this world you used to live in. He says, but you used to live that way. You used to be that way. And then he comes to this scripture here. And he says this, but because of his great love 
for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved and God raised us up with Christ. Listen to my words. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. In one instance, in one moment, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he changes everything. In one moment, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he shatters addiction. In one moment, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he comes and he causes the dead things that are in your life the addictions that are in your life, the, the errors that are in your life, the shame that is in your life, the fear that is in your life, the doubt that's in your life, the struggle to comprehend the things of God that are in your life. He comes and in one instance and in one moment and in one second, in one nanosecond in the presence of God, he comes and he touches your heart and he touches your mind and instantly he makes you alive. You have to understand that in just one moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit and in just one moment when the Spirit of God comes into your life, he gives you the capacity and the capability and the, and, and, and the understanding and the revelation to be able to live the life that God has called you to live. He's given you everything that you need that pertains to this life. He's given you everything that you need to live a life for God. In one instance and in one moment and in one time when you are feeling depressed and discouraged in the darkest moment of your life and you say, Holy Spirit, I need you. And in one moment, our advocate, our comforter, our partner comes and he helps you in your weakness. And in that very moment, wherever you are driving in traffic or sitting in your office cubicle and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm dead inside. In one second, the Holy Spirit comes. And he causes there to be life where there was no life. And he brings joy where there was no joy. And he brings peace where where there's no peace. The Holy Spirit comes in one instance. He causes your death to turn to life. He brings you from that old life into that new life. He makes you alive. That's why it's so important that when you come into the the house of God, you don't just think, well, I don't really like this song. I'm not really into it. Or maybe I don't really feel like worshiping today. Yes, but what we're doing is we're engaging the presence of God, knowing that with just one iota of a second where my heart connects with his heart, my life is forever changed. That's why when James gets up and says, come on, lift your voices, because he's just trying to encourage you to consider that just to get the clutter out of your life, focus your attention on the presence of the God, the Holy Spirit will connect with your heart, and in one moment, your life will change forever. I'm sure I could go around every person today who's a follower of Christ or at one point in their life said, I remember when I felt the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was in that church service or I was in that place on that bus in that season listening to that song and it was just that moment listening, worshiping and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came and I sensed him and I felt he was in my spirit. I felt he was in my heart. I felt him there and I began to weep and I began to cry and it just touched my life. I'm sure I could go around and hear the amazing stories of how the Holy Spirit came into your marriage and in your life and in your finance and guess what? It doesn't just happen once time and it's over. It doesn't just happen when you confess your faith and become a Christian. It happens every second of every moment of every day if you would like it to. In one instance he came into your life. Look at the scripture in Luke 7. Just an example. Soon afterward, Jesus, Luke 7, 11 to 15, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate and the young man who had died was a widow's only son. 
and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you to get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Oh, that would be a creepy funeral. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Can you only imagine? But this is a picture. This is a metaphor of your life. You were being carried in a coffin, living your life for no reason. In fact, I'm going to say this because we're going to get there in a minute. Some of you are still in that coffin. Living a life of dryness and idleness and complacency. You wonder, man, why am I not experiencing the joy I used to experience? And you're in this coffin and Jesus is walking up to your life. And he comes to you and he places your hand right on your heart. He says, young man, young woman, get up. I made you alive. You're not supposed to be dead. In one instance, one touch, the presence of the Holy Spirit, he makes you alive. He brings joy where the destitute of joy he brings hope where you are destitute of hope, where I can't go another step. I'm in a coffin and I've been there for a long time. And the Holy Spirit comes and he places your hand right on your heart. And in one instance, you stand up and begin to sense the power and the joy and the peace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you are forever changed by God's presence. But some of us continue lay in the coffin knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in us. He came into your life when you were I know this personally caught up in yourself caught up in your addictions, caught up in your selfish ways and he beat down that drug house you were metaphorically living in, in the corner, trying to satisfy your own needs. And he went over and he scooped you up and he grabbed you out of that place, disgusting and gross and ragged. And he put you over his shoulder and he pulled you out. And he, he brought you back to life. He did CPR on your soul. He breathed fresh life into your bones. He got you off of that old way of addiction, addicted to habitual behavior and brought you into a world of self-control and joy and peace where your sustenance and your compassion and your joy were not focused on things of this world, but were focused on the Holy Spirit. You might not remember. You might have been in this Christian life so long, you forgot what it was like when the Holy Spirit did CPR on your soul. You might have been resuscitated and living your new life for so long as a follower of Christ back in the coffin and you don't even realize you snuck back into the drug house and you're in the corner, but I'm wearing the, the, the model, the look of a Christian and I look like a follower of God, yet really I'm just coping with all my pain with natural things and not realizing that the Holy Spirit wants to come again and break down the door of your life and bring you out of the place that you're at and bring you to life again. To bring you back to that place 
where you realize that he brought you from that old way to the new way, where he broke that door down and laid on the floor and he resuscitated you and he pushed on your chest and said, come on, Ryan, come on, son. Come on back from that place. Come on, you don't need to cope that way. Come on, Ryan, come on, I'm gonna breathe fresh life into you. And I begin to feel the percolation of joy and peace like I've never felt before. And it doesn't satisfy me. Those things don't satisfy me like this satisfies me. And guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to do that in your life right now. Old life to new life. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may have forgotten how we were restored back to this place. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8. You are, however, not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death because of sin. But the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. You are no longer under the realm of the, of the flesh. You're no longer under the realm of the darkness. You are now in the realm of the spirit. The reason Paul continually in every book of the, uh, that he wrote articulated these realities is because Paul himself experienced this reality. Paul was living a life, as you probably know, murdering Christians and hated the way, hated the way of Jesus. He was on his way to Damascus to kill a bunch of Christians. And as he was on his way, Jesus came down by the power of the Holy Spirit, knocked him on his bum, off his high horse. He looked up to God and said, who is this? He says, this is Jesus who you're persecuting. I want you to go into the city right now. And as you go into the city, I'm going to send someone to talk with you. And Paul, this murderous person, was in this house. And God came and spoke to Ananias and said, you need to go talk to, to Paul. And he says, Paul's a murderer. How do I know he's not just doing a trick? He tried to you know, kill all of us. He says, just do what I tell you to do. And look what happened when he walked into the room. It says in the scripture that Ananias went to the house and entered and placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened once he was filled with the Holy Spirit? Something like scales fell from his eyes. Something like scales fell from his eyes so he could see again. I'm teaching you something about the Holy Spirit today that the Holy Spirit has to reveal to you a concept, a thought, a reality of what the primary role of the Spirit of God is in your life. But over time, you and I begin to gather these scales. Look what it says here in Luke chapter 24 to reiterate my point. As they sat down to eat, he, he took the bread and blessed it. He broke it up and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That word recognize is one of my favorite words of the Bible, which you'll hear two more times in this message. Epikinosko. Epikinosko is the word know or knowledge. It's actually a natural word to describe, the Greek word to describe a sexual relationship between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. 
It's actually the word they would use to describe on the wedding night where a man and a woman would be married in Eastern culture. They would say, are you going to epigonosco? You're epigonoscoing one another. You are in a sexual relationship with one another. The word is used in this Greek format to help us understand that when a man and a woman in a marriage context have sex with one another, it is one of the most intimate things you can do with each other where God has designed this union of our bodies in order for us to experience the most depth of union and intimacy that we can have with one another is through sexual intercourse. And the Holy Spirit, he's talking about a recognition, a revelation, this intimate relationship that is so deep and so connected that we become almost like one flesh. We become like one together. We become unified in our lives. When the Holy Spirit comes inside of me, the scripture says that he recognized, he epignosco. It's this revelation of our ability to see something that maybe we didn't see before. It's the capacity where there was like a veil over our understanding. And when the Holy Spirit comes, we are made more aware of what's going on. We have a revelation. We have a further understanding of who he is and therefore knowing him better growing a closer relationship with him. Paul then jumped back to Ephesians chapter 1. And he prayed my favorite verses in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 1, 17, 18, 19, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Notice the capital letter S. Paul is speaking about the Holy Spirit, and then he defines what the Holy Spirit does. He prayed that the, he would give you the the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So he wants the spirit to bring revelation. That word revelation there means to help you understand the way it should be. The word revelation there means supernatural communication of truth to the mind, to lighten, or another way of saying it is to turn the lights on in your brain. To cause there to be understanding. Cause there to be revelation. To cause there to see something you didn't see before. To, to know further information. Have you ever had those moments with your spouse or someone that you've loved where they said, oh, I really love this kind of thing, and you're like, you do? I never knew that about you. That's called a revelation. That's this, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about you. That's, oh wow, like that makes me love you even more. That's amazing. You like my favorite ice cream. That's so cool. I love you even more. That's what this is all about. Stick with me here because it's important you understand what the role of the Spirit of God is in your life. Paul prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come, that you might know him better. And then he actually continued to pray this prayer. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That word enlightened actually means to brighten up, to illuminate, to cause something to exist, that, and to come into light and to make clear. So what you see is fogginess and a little bit, I take my contacts out, I can't really see far away. You put the contacts in, I can see clearly. That is what Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit does in your life. And you'll notice in the scripture before, he says that you may know. The word know there is actually the word to see. Very interestingly enough, that word there actually means to perceive, to understand. So Paul prays this. I pray that this, he's praying for the Ephesians church, the same church we're talking about. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come that you might have revelation that you did not have before, uh, that you'll have an illumination, that lights will be turned on in your mind and your heart 
so that you might perceive, that you might begin to see clearly. On this scripture, it speaks clearly about what you're called to and your identity and what you're capable of. But really what the Holy, what Paul is trying to teach us here is that the role of the Holy Spirit is to cause there to be a revelation. Let's read another scripture to reiterate my point. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. They would, they would, if they would have, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no eye has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Look at that. So no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind can even conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his what? By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So there's a revelation of you understanding, oh my gosh, look what God has given me. Look what God is doing in my life. Look at this revelation of who God is. It says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given us to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. The Scripture is basically saying you need the Holy Spirit to be able to understand it. So this is why many of you reach a, a, a ceiling in your walk with God. This is why many of you have been followers of Jesus Christ for a really long time, and you can't quite seem to go farther in your walk with him. This is often why people will leave one church and go to another. Well, that one doesn't do that for me, so I'm going to go here. Well, if you've done it here, I want to encourage you, once you start to feel those feelings, just chill out for a moment, and let's, let's consider moving past that. This is the reason why many of us reach that precipice in our life. I'm teaching you something that's very important you understand. And it's important you understand that I can't teach it on natural level. The Holy Spirit has to reveal this to you. This is the reason why you continue to hit a roadblock in your walk with God. And what you do is you revert back to the old scales, back to the old coffin, back to the old way, and you begin to live in comatose life where you're apathetic and you feel like you're not connected to God and you're not growing in your walk with God and you feel like you're not, you're not connected to God. Why is it? It must be something wrong with God or maybe there's something wrong with me. No, the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit has not been able to reveal to you what he wants to reveal to you and it has a lot to do with us allowing it to happen in our lives the holy spirit's role and responsibility in our life is for us for him to come and speak to our hearts i'm going to read a scripture to you in mark 14 37 it says this i'm sorry i'm gonna go back one ephesians 2 8 and 9 the final verse in our key text, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Why would Paul say this? He's talking about the old life. He's talking about what the Spirit did. The next verse, he talks about how you're God's workmanship. But then he slips this in there. Why would Paul have to make this comment? For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Listen, this is not from yourselves. It's not works. And you can't take credit for it. 
Why would Paul feel the need to say this? I believe it's because Paul knew our tendency. Look at the scripture in Mark 14, 37. He came back and found them sound asleep, and he said to Peter, Simon, you went to sleep on me. Can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God, but another part is as lazy as a dog sleeping by a fire. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. You slip into the danger zone to a place like a lazy dog next to a fire without even knowing it. You think that you're just doing all the right things. Our tendency as humans is to slip into works. When we stop feeling it, we go into works. Well, I don't feel anymore, so I must have to go do a bunch of stuff. We live in a society of self-help that if I don't feel it, if I don't feel God, if I don't feel like I used to feel it, I must have to do this, 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 this. And if I do this, 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 then I'm going to feel good about myself. And I'm going to say, well, the reason I got back into this is because I read my Bible for an hour for the last six weeks. And I prayed for nine hours. And that's how I did it. Okay, that's how I'm going to get. You need to do the same thing too. And then we have a cult of people praying for 14 hours a day and they don't work and they quit their jobs. And they, this is our tendency to slip into a reality where we are. As I was walking on a walk this week and I was talking to the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, I'm teaching about you. Help me understand how to teach on you well. And he said, and, uh, you know, my first thought was when I asked him that question, it's a lot of work to stay passionate for God. Can I just see by a show of hands, how many feel like it's just sometimes a lot of work to be a Christian? It feels like a lot of work sometimes, doesn't it? Gotta read my Bible. I'm like way behind on my Bible reading, so I gotta catch up now or I feel guilty. Now, most people tell me if I pray for an hour a day, I'm really spiritual, but I only can muster two minutes, so my goal is 20. Man, like I just, I really, I really enjoy engaging in this thing. I, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I really like it. <laughs> It's really hard to not do it. It's really challenging to live this life. I, this is why I told the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you know why it's hard sometimes to stay engaged on you? It's because it's a lot of work. This is the mode we switch into. We switch into this mode where it's a lot of work. And I want you to hear my words today. That mode of living is actually a temptation of the devil. Now, listen, hear me. When you do that, does that mean we're serving the devil? No. This is where the devil wants to get us. He wants us to get us focused on ourselves. In fact, I have a scripture to prove it. In, um, in I have to go way far on my, Luke 22, look what it says. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Satan came to Jesus, was begging to take Peter out. That word actually, sift, actually means inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrowing. To get you to the place where you just feel like you just can't, I just, I just, can't, I just can't quite get this right. 
This is where the enemy wants to get us, where we begin to focus on our own doing. And that's why Paul said this, this thought. That's why he said it. It's because he knows that our natural tendency is to go into work mode. Our natural tendency is to kind of relive our experience with the Holy Spirit like 20 years ago in that church service. Oh man, I'm a Christian because of that one moment 20 years ago when in reality, the Holy Spirit who lives in you actually wants to bring you alive and do these things in you right now, in your life right now, and really what it takes is your availability to stop doing so much and let the Holy Spirit do it. You say, well, you told me just to sit and say nothing. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm actually encouraging you to take moments in your day where you stop and you invite the Holy Spirit to come and say, Holy Spirit, I cannot go any further in my journey with you until you reveal to me what this verse says right here. I don't get it. I need you to reveal it to me. Say, Ryan, where do you get all these thoughts? Well, I steal other people's sermons. It's exactly what I do. No, actually, these are revelations the Spirit gives me. And I just say, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me. I need you to reveal it to me. And guess what, guys? He does. We're so used to living in that coffin of life that all we do is we revert to coffin living instead of relying upon the Holy Spirit to reveal to us things that we never realized he wanted to reveal to us. I, I had to skip a bunch of stuff here today, but I want to read one last verse here today. Well, that's a lie. I lied to you, but I'm going to read two verses. The reason Paul wrote this was because of this. Revelation 2. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. Jesus says the church of Ephesus, the very church that Paul's talking to today, the very church that Paul's trying to help them understand what a life looks like. Jesus comes to the church of Ephesus and says, you're doing a really good job this. Look, look what Jesus says. This is kind of what I have against you. I have this complaint. You don't love me or each other as you did in the beginning. So what is, what is Jesus proud of them for? You did really good. You worked hard. You served the poor. You fought heresy. You didn't allow those things in the church. Good job, guys. But you want to know what my real complaint is? You don't love me like you used to. I've been married for 12 and a half years now, and I gotta tell you, there's sometimes when this verse applies to my life where I look at my wife and I say, Man, I love my wife, but I don't feel the love for my wife. Don't worry, we're not having marriage problems. It's just reality. And Jesus comes to the marriage of the church and comes to the bride of Christ and says, listen, you know, you're doing a really good job. I appreciate the fact that you're trying to read more of my word. I, I think that's good. And I think it's really, really good that you're spending more time in prayer. God, I, I, he, I want that. I think it's really good that you're trying not to use those kind of words and, you know, that addictive things you're dealing with. It's good that you're getting help for those things. Those, all of those things are very, very good. Jesus says to you today, good job. But can I just say, there's one thing that I have a complaint against you, that, that all of the things that you're doing are good, but all of those things would have so much further of impact in your life if you came back to this point where you loved me like you used to. This is my issue. Look what Paul, look what Jesus says is the answer for the church in verse 7. Anyone with ears, everyone grab your ears, ears. 
with ears to hear, must listen to who? Spirit. And understand what he's saying to the church. That word understand there is an incredible word. That word understand in that scripture, actually, it actually means that you are able to actually have it here. Look at the word. To comprehend, to grasp, to make sense, to process new information you couldn't process before, to process something mentally you couldn't process before. He says, okay, now listen, you don't love me like you used to love me, but guess what? You can't. You need to begin to listen to what the Spirit is saying. This is the kind of church I want to be. Not a church who looks at a playbook, not a church that listens to a bunch of men, but a church that says, Holy Spirit, we're going to listen to what you want us to do. And we're going to pray that you'll give us revelation. See, that's why Paul prayed this scripture in Ephesians 1.17. He says, I pray that the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation. Why? So that you might know him. Epigenosko. The Holy Spirit has to come every moment of every day in your life. You have to create space for, in your life to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to focus on doing. I'm just going to literally rest and say, Holy Spirit, come right now. Whatever you need to do. If you, if you speak in a spiritual language, you speak in tongues, or maybe you don't, or maybe you worship, or maybe you want to mentally think, or you want to shout, you want to clap, whatever you need to do, just center yourself so you can say, oh, Holy Spirit, I, I feel like I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to go here, and I want to go to that prayer meeting, and I want to do these things, but I'm going to create space right now in my life so the Holy Spirit, you can begin to speak to me and give me revelation help me understand because that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life our final verse this morning and then we're going to worship look at this scripture this is Paul's final prayer to the church just a few verses after ours he says I pray that from his glorious and limited resources he will empower you with inner strength through what his spirit and may you have the power to same word understand as all God's people should how wide how long how high this is how we got the name of the church how deep his love is May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand. Now, this is the goal of the revelation of the Spirit of God in your life. That you'd experience the love of Christ. Though it's so terrible to grasp. It's challenging to grasp. It's so big, I can't fathom it. Many of us quit and we give up and we stop because it's so hard. Being a Christian is so hard. It's so challenging. But all I see in these verses is us putting ourselves in a position, even today in our time of worship, and saying, all right, Holy Spirit, I got nothing else. I, I, I'm going to stop all my doing for a moment and I'm just going to stop and say, Holy Spirit, will you give me the strength to comprehend the love of Christ? May I The love of Christ is the very thing that defines why you are here today. The love of Christ is the very thing that will get you where you need to go. The, very, the love of Christ is the very thing that will change your life. And in one instance, when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He reveals Christ's love for you. When the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He reveals Christ's love for you. Revelation. Close your eyes for a minute here this morning. Come on, Holy Spirit, right now. We ask for you right now, Lord. I, I beg you, Father, right now. We create space in our time of worship right now. That we might experience, experience, 
I pray for a revelation. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come. Even right now, every eye closed in this place, even in this place right now, we center our minds on you. We pray that Holy Spirit, even right now, you would come. Holy Spirit, would you chase away fear? The love of Christ. Cast out all fear. Revelation right now. Holy Spirit right now. Revelation right now. Come on, James. I want you just to sing this first song. Come on, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Just sit there for a moment. Just let's rest in the presence of the Lord. James is going to start singing. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.